What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Man Podcast, where we are here on a mission to connect men in pursuit of their potential. We do that by embracing discomfort, cultivating community, and putting wind in each other's sails. And I'm excited to introduce our guest today, Bronson Hill, managing member at Bronson Equity, joining us to help us elevate our lives a little bit more. Bronson, thanks so much for being on the show. Hey, Ted, I'm really excited to be here, man. I love your focus of just helping guys to grow. I mean, I think personal growth is a, is a real passion of mine, all the mindset, even psychology, and just working through our stuff so we can be better. And I think obviously mm-hmm. your listeners are doing that. So I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And we know it's not a, a one-year journey. It's not a six-month journey, and it certainly isn't a six-week program. It, it's a lifelong thing, and we're always learning. We're always growing. And, and Bronson, I appreciate your growth that you're sharing with us today because- we can shorten that growth. There's no shortcuts, but we can maybe alleviate making some of the detrimental mistakes that others have made by sharing their examples. So before we kind of hop into your expertise and your story, I'd love for you to have the opportunity to kind of introduce yourself to the audience, get acquainted and let them know exactly who you are and what you do. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, I, I feel I feel really connected to this this show. I'm excited to be on here because I'm, I am very into personal growth, uh, something Personally, it's happened to me about five, six years ago. I went through a divorce, never wanted to be divorced, went through a divorce. And I found a, an author named Brené Brown who talks a lot about leaning into the discomfort, right? So leaning into things when they feel uncomfortable because that's where the growth happens, right? So I love just the, the thought of doing this. So yes, yeah, so I live in Southern California. I work in real estate and investing. I help people to achieve passive income through investing in uh, secure investments that are consistent. And I've spent a lot of time researching that and doing that personally. I was able to use kind of that method to get out of my my, my golden handcuffs, if you will, right? People, mm-hmm. you know, making a lot of money. I was working, you know, 30 hours a week, making over 200K a year. And people, you know, my whole family was like, why would you ever want to leave that? Why would you ever want to not <laughs> do that? You're crazy. Yeah. But I, I just had this desire and I knew if I didn't really try to become an entrepreneur and go for my dreams, then I would regret it when I'm 70 or 80. And so it's been wildly successful. Uh, I've been able to 20X my net worth the last four years, been able to help, you know, a lot of, I've I've interviewed about over 1300 millionaires, learned a lot of things from that. And I raised about 30 million to buy 200 million in multifamily real estate. So um, so that's a little bit of my story. And again, I'm Mm -hmm. I'm a big personal growth guy. I love health. I'm kind of a health nut as well. And Got a Spartan race coming up on Saturday. I'm running 13 miles up a hill, so it's going to be intense. So I'm excited and excited <laughs> to be done with that one. <laughs> so it's good, but yeah, excited to be here, Ted. Take a sip of my post-workout shake really quick. <laughs> 13 yeah. miles up hill. Yeah. That, that's amazing. Something you said, Bronson, that, that actually, I think I want to start there. You mentioned the golden handcuffs and 200K a year, 30 hours a week. That's more money than I make, less hours than I work. And you you mentioned, why would you leave that? For a lot of folks listening, that might be more money than they make, less hours than they work. So the reality is, like you, my entrepreneurial bug, the reality of what I've looked around and said, I don't really care if it's 30 hours. I don't care if it's five hours. You know, If you don't own your time, you don't own your time. It's never going to be yours. What was, I guess, the deciding factor for you or what was it like when the decision was made? Like this setup, which most people would think is great is not for me. And how did that process start when you started working on your exit plan? 
Yeah. So it kind of started, you know, I, I had another career I did kind of in the nonprofit space and then I got into sales and in medical, I was in medical device sales. So I'd go into surgery and help physicians with their heart surgical stuff. And there's about 10 years of different products. I was doing that and I, and I enjoyed it. It was good, but I kind of what you said, I would see people that would make way more money than I would make. So I did some doctors that made, you know, over $2 million a year, but they'd work 68 hours a week. They could never travel. They didn't really have freedom of time. And a lot of times people kind of, to your point, um, they think they want money freedom, but really what they want is time freedom. They want the mm -hmm. flexibility to be able to do it. Now, so in the process of basically kind of seeing and learning and watching, I just try to say, well, how can I, how can I let my money work for me? And Warren Buffett has this saying, and I think everybody who's listening should take note of this, but he says, unless you learn how to make money when you sleep, you will work until you die. And so there's this thing called the time for money trade, right? If we go work a job, they're they're buying our time for a certain amount to be able to do that. Now, over time, you can find a job maybe that's more of a value for money trade that you bring a certain amount of value. And then I think that's better. But the best one is where your money simply works for you, right? Uh, it says the rich don't work for money. They work for assets. They work for cash flow. They work for things that actually put money in their pocket. So I think for me, just the process of seeing people that were financially free and really had freedom of time, it came down to they had investments that they really worked for them. So instead of me going into sales and selling a bunch of stuff and them giving me a slap on the butt and saying, hey, great job, go out, do it again next quarter. You know, yeah. like, it was just kind of exhausting. It's like you're, you're literally on that treadmill and you're running, you can't get ahead. And so the ability to learn about investing is incredibly valuable because you know, I, I just realized there were so many people that are actually doing this and are many steps ahead. And that's, I think, who we should be learning from is people that are a step or two ahead of us. Yeah, no, absolutely. Because a lot of us look around and we're like, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this. And we start doing it. And, you know, when you try anything new, failure is almost inevitable. You're going to kind of fall on your face. You're going to come into mistakes. But when someone looks at something maybe as, as risky or financially committal, as investing or even real estate investing, the mistakes can can have lasting impact. So you're you're less risk tolerant going into some of those things. How does one start getting into real estate investment? Right, like how does one look at okay, let me buy this building or let me you know do this? And maybe they're like, I don't want to be a landlord. <laughs> maybe they're like, I don't. I, this, that's not passive. I don't want to trade my job for managing people. Yeah. Yeah. I'd trade my job for another job. And that's, <laughs> and that's the thing too. I think, so, you know, I, th I think one thing that I've done over the years, I recommend this to anybody listening who's interested in how to get started is that look for ways to learn and to grow. And sometimes taking action, even if you're not sure if it's going to work, I mean, obviously do your homework, make sure you look at it, but I call them low risk experiments, right? If you buy a rental house and it doesn't work out, can you rent it out to someone, you know, or can you do a short-term rental could you sell it for what you paid for it? Could you do some sort of renovation so that it's worth more than what you bought it for? So, you know, again, there's this idea that, you know, heads, you can maybe, you can win a lot, but tails, you don't lose much, right? So there's mm -hmm. a quote that talks about that. That's just being able to do something that kind of gives you the chance to experiment and learn. Now, when you're older, if you're, now somebody would be offended that I said older, but if you're 60s, 70s, it's harder to financially to take risks because you only have so much time left. When you're young, if you're 20s, 30s, you got tons of time. Now, it may be different if you have five kids and your spouse is, doesn't work and is unhealthy or, you know, there's things like that. You know, maybe you have some other issues you're working through, but in general, you can take a lot of, a little more calculated risks when you're young to learn. But, you know, for me, how I started, I basically thought, okay, I'm going to, you know, become financially free with real estate. I'm going to do what everybody does and buy a rental house. 
And then I had that for a while and it was, it was okay. It cash flowed a little bit over time. I had it for a long time. And then I started buying more single family houses. And then I realized it was a lot of work. And I had a cousin who I just hadn't really seen in years who said, Hey, you're doing this single family stuff. Why don't you do multifamily? And I said, well, I'd love to, you know, my plan was to get 30 houses and retire with passive income, which wouldn't really be that passive. And then he said, well, you can, you can raise the money. You can raise money for these multifamily deals. It's called syndication. And so he said, read this book, go to this conference, listen to this podcast. So I did everything he said. And this guy's uber wealthy, you know, just fortunate to have a wealthy relative who could kind of be a mentor in that. And so I did, I did everything I could. And that led me down a path where I started a meetup in Southern California, where I live. And my first investor there said, I'd invest in one of your deals. I didn't even have a deal at that point, but I was hmm. in the space making moves. And so then I got coffee with them and I said, this is what a deal would look like. He said, yeah, I'd be in for hundred K. So then I introduced him to another guy who I met at that same meetup who had a live deal, who was looking for money. So I just connected those two. And now I, I got some experience in raising money for my first deal. So that's kind of how to get started. And then there's other steps from there. So I'm going to have to slow you down and put a little mm-hmm. rewind that's on a lot that there. because yep. this is first time I actually really heard the concept on this podcast of syndication and facilitating these deals. Right now, for somebody who might be listening, you mentioned raising capital or, or raising and finding the investors for these deals. Go in detail with that a little bit, because for for some, it's almost as though maybe finding the deal, structuring the deal could get you a little bit of uh, equity in the deal, Mm -hmm. even if you might not have the finances to kind of meet on par with the amount of money that they're putting in, because that's usually... A lot of guys listening, a lot of the people listening or watching right now, they're just, I just don't have the money. And they're probably going to write this off and try and stop the podcast 10 minutes in because they're like, I don't have thousands of dollars to invest. But I'd love you to lean in on that a little bit more because that can maybe lower the barrier of entry for 50% of our audience. Yeah, no, absolutely. When I first heard about this, I thought it was the craziest thing in the world. I was like, how in the, how would you raise money? That sounds like it's really risky. And like, what mm-hmm. if you lose somebody's money? And oh my gosh. And there's a saying that comes with life. And this is a mindset thing. So I think mindset, every successful person that I've ever met, I was actually talking with a guy I know is a billionaire in New Orleans at a conference just like this last weekend. And like every single one of them, it's always mindset. They have a different mindset. They approach everything different. And so there's this saying that you're the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. And that comes almost to every single level of life. If if all your friends are overweight, well, you're likely to be overweight. If all your friends are poor and they complain all the time, you're probably going to be poor and complain all the time. But if you can continue to try to push that and find people that are a step or two ahead, it will bring you up to where they're at. And it's amazing. And it works awesome in the financial space. So initially with this and raising big money, I remember I had the same reaction. Uh, you know, I have this reaction of like, well, I can't do that. But the question is, instead of I can't do that is, well, how can I do that? Right. And once you learn how to do it, it's actually not hard. There's a motivational speaker named Jim Rohn. He says, if you define easy and hard this way, he says, uh, hard is I can't do it. And easy is I can do it. Right. So everything's hard until you know how to do it. And then it, then it becomes easy because you know the steps to be able to do it. So I'm kind of given this because again, for some people, no matter what the challenge is, it's going to be, well, I've never, I don't, you know, that's just not me. I'm not going to be able to do it, but someone's going to get a hold of it and say, oh my gosh, I could do this and I actually could be a part of it. So I'll give kind of a, a, with that preface, a big kind of overview of it. So syndication is again, it's just, we will, my partners and I, and again, when you first start, it's like, you'll work with partners and we'll find a property that's maybe a hundred or 200 units. We're buying a lot in Florida now and the partners will have different roles. So somebody found the deal, somebody will kind of operate and maybe they're experienced in kind of the asset management, they'll work with the property manager and then other people kind of come and they bring the money, right? So where you stop, I mean, no matter how much money you have, 
you don't have all the money. And so, and there's a lot of people out there today that like, they would love opportunities to invest in deals like this. So what we create is, you know, opportunities that are way less risky involved in the stock market. They provide cash flow. They give you all the benefits owning real estate, all the tax benefits, but you're not the one in there swinging a hammer doing the work, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And because you facilitate that and set that up, you're providing value in that process. You're, you're right. providing value because it, it's hard for people to understand the problem of not knowing where to put your money. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the thing. People realizing people have a money problem, meaning I have money and I don't know what to do right now. It's it's a huge problem. I mean, if I have, let's say, you know, I think of my parents, you know, they maybe they have they've got, you know, a a retirement account with a million dollars in. Well, they've got to make that last. They're 70, they got to make that last for another 20 plus years. How are they going to do that? Stock market feels risky. I don't want to own a rental home. Like, what do I do? So I can basically be a resource to people that are in that space and educate and try to help them on that journey. And so people don't realize that. By you having a deal and being able to offer it to your network, friends or family, or having a meetup or something like that, or even putting things out online like we do, it allows people to really connect with your message and they can say, you know, I, I want to try, I want to do this. And then it's amazing to me is once somebody goes from like, this is like the weirdest concept ever to like, oh, I'm actually doing this and I'm seeing predictable cash flow. It changes though, because then they're like, oh my gosh, I actually could leave my job. I could retire now. I could do these, I could live the life of freedom that I want, but I didn't know it was available, right? Mm-hmm. The doctors that I work with, you know, they haven't invested, those two haven't invested in my deal, but my deals, but you know, if they had the option to, would they want to leave? Like, that's just huge knowing you could leave your job because yeah. you have enough income to cover it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And and having that opportunity in front of you first comes from preparing, right? And we've talked about, you know, my one of my favorite financial books, The Richest Man in Babylon, putting those pennies aside, having that capital available for when that opportunity arrives. However, I'd like to touch on the savings because when people are listening to this, this episode coming out, you know, there's this R word going around in media and, and people are kind of getting a little bit nervous with how the cost of everything's gone up. And I, I go to the store, I'm paying more for eggs this year than I paid last year. And everything right. is a lot more expensive, right? So the trigger, and I think the habit and reaction for a lot of people is, I need to stack my pennies. I need to save my money. So there might be someone here that's maybe sitting on a comfortable savings, right? Let's let's be responsible. Like you're sitting on six to 12 months of expenses, but you're stacking up more and more and more. And you, you have well over that. Why is that not necessarily a good good option right now if you're just sitting on and saving money? Yeah. So it used to be, you know, saving money, uh, you know, a penny saved is a penny earned. I agree. You know, I think it's a basic step for most people to learn about, you know, if you're spending more than what you bring in, I think that's the richest man in Babylon, right? You know, happy is the man who makes, you know, nine pence and, or, you know, makes 10 pence and spends nine. But, you know, if you spend one more than what you have, you're going to be miserable, right? Like yeah. just that idea. So in general, savings is good. I think you know, some of the Dave Ramsey stuff of just get out of credit card debt, some of that stuff is really good. That's kind of 101. Once you get past, okay, I need to spend less than what I make, then it's okay, instead of just saving and building this big nest egg, because right now what's happening is there's this huge monster out there that's eating up somewhere between eight and 20%, depending on what number you believe per year of your money, and it's inflation. So if you have $100,000, if you've saved that and that's your nest egg, you're losing eight to twenty thousand dollars of purchasing power. It doesn't mean the dollar amount is going down, but what you're able to buy, and we're seeing it everywhere, is going down. So there are ways you can kind of flip that on its head where you're using 
that to your advantage. You're finding ways to invest. You're finding ways to borrow. You're doing things that are a little bit more, you know, instead of 101 Dave Ramsey, they're more kind of 102 or 201. They're a little more advanced, but there are ways you actually can make inflation your friend rather than just it hurting you. How can you make inflation your friend? Or how can you take advantage of inflation? Well, I'm glad you asked, Ted. (laughs) (laughs) I just wrote an ebook recently called How to Use Inflation to Your Advantage. It's on my website. People can download it, bronsonequity.com. But basically, there's a few strategies. Real estate is an amazing one because let's say I buy a house and just this is just all theoretical. It's hard to find a house for $100,000. Let's say I bought a house and I put 20% down. So I put $20,000 down on a $100,000 house. Well, if it goes up in value by $20,000, you know, I haven't just increased my, you know, I've increased my equity by 20%. I've increased it by 100%, right? Because you're using leverage to buy it. So anytime you can get people say, oh, debt is terrible, get out of debt. Yeah, credit card debt is bad. And there's other kind of debts that are, you know, bad or loan sharks or that's bad stuff, but there is good debt. If I can borrow at a rate that's below inflation and I can go do investments at things that are higher than inflation, there's kind of a spread there, right? So I was able to mm-hmm. get a personal loan from a bank. And I don't, I mean, I think they're actually still doing this, but there's a bank in California that did it where it was a one point, or no, sorry, it was 2.75% interest rate. And it was fixed for 10 years. And I got 100K. It's interest only for the first two years. So I'm basically borrowing at 2.75%. And inflation is higher. My, my returns are typically 15 to 20% or higher per year. So that's a spread that I can take advantage of, right? Yeah. So the more things I can do where I can, borrow cheaply. And again, I'm not giving you any specific advice. You have to look at all the risks. You've got to look at your own situation, your own experience. But that's one way. Another way is you can buy, you know, just buying real assets are helpful. So rather than, you know, just holding cash, putting it into things that will retain their value, income property is something that does that as well, where it actually will kind of hedge inflation naturally. Uh, I also do some things in the precious metal space, even just Mm -hmm. buying a little bit of gold and silver. So there's different things you can do to take advantage of it. How much would you say someone needs to start? I'm thinking of our listeners span from 24, 35 plus, right? So we could have a father with two kids, mortgage, couple cars, a wife is listening, or we could have a 25 year old finished college just a couple of years ago, started working, just got a little bit of a savings. And now that they've gotten, like you said, they, they've done the whole day Dave Ramsey one-on-one, they're looking for the 2.0 courses. They're looking for the the next step. What would you say is needed for someone to jump in? How much do you think they should need? Well, I mean, I think it's it's a really good question because either people have money or they have time. If you have more money than you have time, like a lot of you know high paid people, or you have a business, or you're a professional, then you invest passively, right? You can invest in someone like you know with our group, or there are many other groups out there that do what we do or do similar things. And you know, some of those are you know fifty to hundred k is kind of the minimum for those. If you don't have 50K or you've got, you know, you you just don't have the money to do it, you can also leverage your time. And so that comes back to the thought of, you know, even if you have a full-time job, I was working 30 hours a week, but I found time to basically put in another 20, 30 hours plus a week in real estate. And I knew if I did that for a couple of years and I really did it consistently, went to conferences, would work. And it did. And I was able to 20X my net worth by being able to help find a solution for other people. So I think it depends on your situation. There are also passive ways through crowdfunding sites. I'm generally not a big fan of crowdfunding because there's some extra fees in there, but it will give you some experience on it for as little as a few thousand dollars, four or $5,000 you can get into some of those deals. But I think in general, if you have less than 50,000 invest, if you go to meetups and you just learn and you try to find ways to say, hey, what, what could I do? This is you were talking about to create 
uh, value in the marketplace. Because if you can create mm-hmm. value, either raising money and bringing deals to people or finding deals and bringing those to people that can help you know, raise funds, I mean, it's a huge opportunity, I think. You mentioned the, the extra 20, 30 hours a week spending on that. What were you spending the extra 20 hours doing? Was it research? Was it learning? Was it networking? A little bit of everything? Did it start as one and then balloon up? What was, I guess, the IKEA building steps <laughs> into <laughs> that, I guess, full on? Okay this can now take over my full-time job. Yeah. And that, that's a process. There's people that, you know, like when, if you want to leave your job, like when do you leave your job, right? I had a great job, but it, you know, I, I kind of, I wanted to leave and I almost left for COVID. Then I held on and was still, you know, I was, I, I kind of let it grow pretty well until I actually left. But I think, you know, in general, if people want to learn the best way is if you live in a, in a metro area, like I live in Los Angeles, or if you can go to real estate meetups or other sort of investing meetups and just start asking questions. I mean, kind of the, the Socratic method, right? Just, you know, what do you know? How does this work? What's, what are your mistakes? What are things that have gone well? And you start asking questions and find out like how people have done what they've done. And you'll learn a ton because most people don't go to those meetings unless they're serious. And if you really want to take it to the next level, go to national conferences. So there's a bunch of investing conferences, particularly in Texas and all over. And so I think just by simply taking action and putting yourself in the room, there's two things I think that really help to get people to the next level. One is is education. So it could be education through great podcasts. It could be YouTube. It could be reading books. There's some great books on the topic, you know, mm-hmm. investing and syndication. Or the other side is networking. Because again, you make, you make one connection. After I raised that first $100,000, I had kind of been building a relationship with a guy who was really successful. And about six months later, we were at this expensive event. And I just said, hey, how's it going in this area of raising money? Could I potentially help you? And then that was the point going from 100K over the next 18 months, I spoke with a thousand investors really from his network, just from calls that, you know, things that we set up and I was, we were able to raise $15 million together. So that was to me, that was like the rocket fuel. But again, that's nothing I can say, Hey, go do this, this, and this. But just when you're in the room and you're looking for value, you're looking to try to find a way to add value. That's how people get paid in business. Yeah. Adding value, looking for value and just being, being an asset. Right. And I'm going to take your advice here. You you mentioned you've spoken over, over 1300 millionaires. What have you learned in your Q and a process in, in your, I guess, learning from others and taking from the template of those who've been successful? What are some, uh, I guess, of the, of the key and most recurring answers or most of the recurring traits that you found that might be beneficial to anybody listening today? Yeah. So the amazing thing about wealth, a lot of people and even listening can think that, oh, you know, people are born with a silver spoon in their mouth, right? You either come for money or you don't. But in the truth is Fidelity Investments, which is a large financial firm, they came out and said that 88% of millionaires are self-made. So that means almost nine out of 10 did not inherit it. They basically figured it out. They figured out how to learn it. So if Brian Tracy's got this quote, he says, if you want to earn more, you got to learn more. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I just have to be dedicated to learning. So I was amazed that these many millionaires would take 30 minutes, 20, 30 minutes and have a call with me to learn about our investments because they were just trying to learn. So people I found that are very wealthy, they tend to be people that are reading. They're learning all the time. You look at Mark Cuban, Warren Buffett, these guys read at least two, three hours a day, uh, Bill Gates, all, I mean, all these people, whatever you think about them, they, they do a ton of, of reading and research and learning. And so I think that's probably one of the biggest things. Another one is, you know, like they value their time, even though they value their time, they value learning more than their time. Time is very valuable. So if they can create something that generates more wealth without taking up more time, because if you have one rental house, you can get a little bit of money, maybe from it. These days, it's hard to even find the cash flow. If you can do it, maybe a little bit of money. If you have yeah. 10 houses or 20 houses or 30 houses, and I have friends that do, you've got a job, you've got, you've got another job. So you've basically created another job. If you invest passively, 
where you vet the team and you vet whatever the deal is, then you just receive the mailbox money. That's the name of my podcast. It's called the Mailbox Money Show. So we talk about how do you create those streams of passive income, right? How does that, and it's a skill set, it's how it works. For a lot of people, they're looking to reduce taxes, they're looking to leverage their time, and they're really looking to learn, particularly about how to grow their wealth. Yeah. And it sounds like when you talk multifamily, are these big enough units where you're implementing maybe a management company in there, someone else is managing the property, someone else is collecting the checks, doing the maintenance and all that. And you're just kind of facilitating the purchase of, honestly, these buildings. Exactly. Yeah. So once you get above, uh, people think this is hard to believe, but I think it's easier to buy a 100 unit apartment complex and manage it than it is to manage four single families. Hmm. It's actually quite a bit easier. And the reason for that is once you get above 60 units, it gets much more efficient. You have an on-site property manager. You typically have at least one full-time maintenance person versus think of if you have, if you have a bunch of single, let's say you have 60 houses, right? You've you got a maintenance guy has got to go from their office to your place at 50 bucks an hour, find the park, go to Home Depot, get is a half day thing to do versus they have all the same appliances, they got all the same paint colors, it's all there. And then when you get larger properties, like we have one that's 382 units and you have multiple onsite people, and then you even get regional property managers there. So what our team really does is we basically really kind of manage the manager. We try to make sure they're not spending too much in a certain area, mm-hmm. that they're actually renovating the units we're trying to renovate. And we're really kind of you know on, on path for what we're trying to do for that property. Yeah, man, that, that sounds like a lot. But the last thing you touched on, which for some of our listeners who might have been a little farther down the road, I, I try and touch the whole breadth of listeners that we have, right? Now I'm talking to the listeners who, man, they've gotten the 101, they've gotten the 2.0, they probably have a couple of properties, or maybe they're in a group of investors. I have a couple of friends who got into investing and they have partners and they're moving and grooving now. And the mailbox paychecks are coming in. Now with that income, they're they're looking at me like, okay, the taxes on this are going to be ridiculous. Now, how do I navigate this? How do I, I guess, reinvest? How do I minimize the amount of taxes that I'm putting into this? Because you can easily get in over your head and you get a call from the IRS saying you owe back taxes and that could be the last call of your business. Yeah, exactly. Well, and it's actually even a bigger issue than that too, because a lot of people, like I live in California, where there's uh, a state income tax up to 12.1% or 12.2%. So the highest tax rate federally is 37%. And then you add that on top, it's over 49%. So there's a lot of like physicians and high CPAs or business owners that are paying a lot of money in taxes. And there are ways actually to potentially even reduce your regular income significantly or even reduce it to zero. I reduced mine to almost about, about a 1% total tax rate the last four years that I've saved, you know, almost $200,000 in taxes I would have paid, but it's through just knowledge, through learning how to do that and how to structure it. There's something called the real estate professional designation that if you're in real estate, you can bring a lot of the depreciation forward to the first year and apply it toward ordinary income. Now I'm not giving anybody any specific tax advice, but yeah. there are, there are people, there's a guy I know that sold a business in California for $5 million and he paid the equivalent of about a hundred thousand dollars in taxes which he should have paid around two to $2.4 million in taxes. Well, how did he save the $2 million? He did it through what he learned and the people he was connected to. And as you're right, as you grow your wealth, you're also thinking, how can I reduce my taxes? Because then that's what wealthy people are always interested in. How do we do that? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and having that opportunity and having the ability to learn that is hugely valuable to, to folks that are 
looking to maybe use their money for good in their community, right? And then they have something that they really want to pour into because really money is just a tool in how right. you operate through life. And as you mentioned, the golden handcuffs, a lot of people think that what we're talking about is the motivator behind money, but really kind of the it's a, it's a motivator to freedom. It's a motivator yeah. to, to living life how we want by design and and kind of enjoying it along the way. So w- when you talk about your ability in the past four years, 20Xing your net worth and your life changing in that time, what does your life look like now? Because I'd love to kind of paint that picture for some of our listeners who are sure. like, all right, what's the last sell you have? Or what's the last, I guess, convincing thing that is going to kind of get me to make this move? to start investing into whether it be real estate, start looking for structuring these deals, you know, paint that picture for us yeah, of yeah. what it looks like when we actually kind of get some momentum and get going. Cause I know you're way far from your destination, but you're a lot farther than a lot of us. <laughs> yeah. Thanks man. Well, Tony Robbins has this quote. He says, it's in your moments of decision that your destiny is shaped. So when I decided that, Hey, you know what? In three years, I'm going to be out of this job. Whatever. I, I, then I just started doing the actions. It didn't happen in, in an equal way. Every, it didn't happen overnight, but it was just, I was continually working toward that goal. And so for me, like my life now, I mean, I've traveled five times internationally this year, mostly for fun, for work a couple of times. There's a couple of conferences or speaking at events or things like that. I'm going to Chile uh, next month for a Patagonia trip to go do some hiking for a week. So I'm excited about that. And and so I, I love traveling. I value that. Um, I also go to a lot of conferences and events because I enjoy that. And then I just, I have time if I want to like yesterday, I'm training for the Spartan race. I went for an 11 and a half mile run yesterday. Uh, hmm. It took a couple hours, two, three hours. And I just like, I just went like midday because I had the time scheduled and I did it. Right. So when you have control over your time, you can do what you want. So what do you value? And I think, I think what's really important more than that, a lot of people think, oh, it's great. I can just put my feet up all the time and I can just do nothing. But I, I personally think we're, we're here and we, we need to have some sort of purpose. And if we don't have some sort of vision for our life, then we're really kind of dying, even though we're still alive. That's kind of a deep thought, but just the idea like without vision, people perish. And so I got to figure out what my why is, right? What am I here to do? Well, I feel like I'm here to like part of my spirituality. I'm here to have a relationship with God. I'm here to love people. I'm here to love my family. I really want to end the modern day human slavery in the world, which is a big, hairy, audacious goal. There's more human slaves today in 2022 than there's ever been in the history of the world. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. And so I, I, it gives me, you know, the more I become financially free and time free, the more I can really give myself to those causes, the more I can be a great dad, the more I can take trips and travel and learn. And so I think it's whatever you value, right? It allows you wealth and freedom of time. It allows you to become more so of those things. Absolutely. And that's, that's what we talk about here on the podcast. And it's funny because, you know, I think of, you know, modern men and we talk a lot about men's mental health relationships and things. And we always have some of this, you know, the recurring topics, one of which being finances and investments and real estate, because the reality is as long as we are punching the clock, as long as we are stuck in our nine to five or golden handcuffed to what we're doing, there's a lot of us out there who might be watching, who might be listening, who aren't quite going to live that full life of fulfillment and joy because we are still forced to be someplace at a certain time, to do a certain thing at a certain time, which responsibilities are always going to be there, but our lack of control usually plays into some of our frustrations and our dissatisfaction with life. So having the amount of money to choose our lives, to choose our futures, I think is is extremely important and, and it's extremely a valuable tool to have and work on. So 
being that you've gone through that process, I appreciate those those skills and tips that you shared with us today. But I also want to make sure that our audience and, and our listeners have the ability to tap into your team and what you all do. Also tap into some of your knowledge if they want to get maybe more extensive in terms of more of the nitty gritty, what we weren't able to cover on this podcast today. So please, Bronson, I'd love for folks to have a way to contact you and get in touch with, with, with you and what you do. Sure. So I'm on social media, mostly LinkedIn, Instagram, and uh, and Facebook, just because most of my investors are Facebook and and uh, LinkedIn folks. But mm-hmm. uh, I did write this ebook, as I mentioned, how to use inflation to your advantage. Fifty two color pages on my website. You can download that if you're interested. That's more as an investor, just understanding how it works. If you're interested in kind of doing it yourself, you can go there. Some some books kind of recommended on my page. There's even some stuff on my YouTube channel that just talks about kind of how to get started and how to do it. And I love connecting with anybody and writing value in any way I can. Yeah, no, Bronson Hill, this has been amazing. And and just a, a kind of a reminder to a lot of the guys listening that there's so many opportunities in this world. We talk about, you know, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few or, or the crops are plenty and the workers are few, the harvesters are few. So it's all about the guys who are willing to put in the work and go out there and get it. And that's why we share some of these tidbits and these tools, these tactics and strategies with folks so they can learn. I'm going to share some of the the gems you left along the way, because I know a lot of people listening while driving or cleaning, leaning into your discomfort. A lot of us start off wanting to stay in a, stay in a safe place. We don't want to be uncomfortable, but the reality is that life that you hope to live is usually on the other side of discomfort. And when you sit in discomfort long enough, what was once uncomfortable becomes comfortable. What we once weren't able to do now becomes easier to do. As you mentioned earlier, hard and easy being the difference between I can't and I can, and learning to do it makes it easy. Money freedom versus time freedom. Which one are you chasing, right? Are you chasing money freedom? Because there's a lot of people out there that have money freedom, but not necessarily time freedom. And having time freedom doesn't necessarily mean you're rich, just means that the amount of money you make passively supports the life that you live. That was a mind-blowing concept for me in the four-hour work week when they talked about somebody can live off of $60,000 a year. It's just the level of life that you want to live. Learn and grow. After talking to over 1,300 millionaires, Bronson says that, that they prioritize learning. And not only that, they prioritize learning and minimizing time on things, saving their time, because it's some of the most valuable things that we have. Syndication, if you could syndicate, introduce, structure, facilitate deals, you might not have the full capital, but you might have the time and the know-how and and the due diligence to get the deals in front of the people who have the money. And that in turn provides value to somebody who might be sitting on a nest egg and they might not know what to do with it. You might have a friend or you might have a a parent or mentor who has a million dollars in the bank that's losing value and they're looking for something to do with it. Your ability to do the research, find the deal, structure the deal, that gives value to them. And of course, real estate meetups, asking questions for anybody that's looking to get started, put yourself in it, immerse yourself in it, and connect with those people as much as you can. Bronson, man, thank you so much for for being with us. And I I have one more question before we, we wrap up, and it's the question, the last question that I ask on the podcast. It's a bit of a heavy one, and feel free to answer however you like, but I always ask, what is something that's happened to you in your life that has maybe changed the way you view the world as a man? Yeah, I think for me, I mean, going through my divorce, I was married nine years, never thought I'd be divorced. But I think that was also something that really, you know, we talk about too, we have these ideas and I went to real estate meetups for years and I just didn't do anything with it. Mm -hmm. And so it was when I kind of realized like, man, like life is short, you know, we're, we're here to do something. We're here to make a difference. 
And so that's, I think what really kind of kicked my butt into, okay, like I'm just, I'm going to go after things that I dream about. And so I encourage anybody listening to, to, to go after it. You know, if there's something you've dreamed about, don't be, you know, at the end of your life thinking, man, you know, there's a saying that at the end of our life, we will regret more of the things that we did not do rather than the things that we did. Absolutely. Life is short. And for anybody listening, I encourage you guys to go up after those dreams right away. Bronson, man, thank you so much. I'll have all your links in the show notes as well. And I've already recapped those gems for folks. So my only last question for the listeners is to share this episode with somebody they know will get value from it. Share it with somebody who you know should be starting investing or maybe starting thinking more of a financial level in terms of putting their money aside. Give this episode to them and show them some of the fruits that can be had if they do the labor and put in the work and also leave us a rating, let us know how we're doing. It's the only way we improve is by you letting us know, make sure you leave a comment, hit subscribe for a new episode each and every single week. And of course the best compliment you can give us is by making sure you tune in next week for another episode to catch a great guest like Bronson and many, many others. Thank you for making it to the end. And as we always say at the end of the episode, everybody wants the sunshine, but they don't want the rain, but you can't get the pleasure without first the pain. Let's grow.